we're back. It's the American Soccer Show, and we're still going. Day three on these World Cup previews, much to the displeasure, I'm sure, of everyone listening. Because they, you know, you have to listen to it because it's such good t- content. But it's another hour of World Cup previews. Even if you don't like soccer, I know you're here listening because you just enjoy us and our company. Exactly. So much. Group E and Group F on the itinerary today for us. Getting there. Okay, we're almost there. Tournament starts Thursday. We got one more group preview one tomorrow. More. Some MLS tomorrow, maybe as well. Plenty to get to. If our fans play their cards right. Just maybe. All right. Listen to us on the way to work, on the way to school, if you're still in there. Before bed, in the shower, in, in the, the shower. bathtub. I'm often a podcast listener in the shower. While you're making dinner, while you're eating dinner, <laughs> while you're doing your homework. While you're driving to get dinner. While you're forgetting to do your homework and procrastinating, while you're playing video games. So many ways to listen. So little time. Let's get started with Group E for Group Emmett. Uh, <laughs> got Brazil. It can't sli- possibly be Group E for Eric, huh? I mean, I, I think it just sounds better for Group Emmett. Wow. Okay. Sorry. No, I, I, I set myself up perfectly for that. <laughs> we both start with the E. Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, and Serbia. Start off with Brazil, I think is fair. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. They absolutely leveled World Cup qualifying, which is quite a feat in South America, I would say. They lost their first qualifier 2-0 to Chile, and then they proceeded to go unbeaten in the remaining 17 games, winning 12 of them. They were also the first team to qualify for Russia other than, of course, Russia. So. Yeah, I, that's super, super difficult in that because there's really no easy games in South America. I think even like Bolivia can be cha- Bolivia is, is, is challenging. Not, they had a decent—I yeah. think the worst team is actually Venezuela, who have the they likes are. of Solomon Rondon up top and Joseph Martinez, so like— no matter what you're doing, it's not easy, but this Brazil just steamrolled. And so like we've been doing for the past two shows, we have clips for each of these teams. This one for Brazil is a clip of the call for the second goal they scored in their victory over Ecuador that sealed their place in the World Cup. It was a nice play by Gabriel Jesus that set up Neymar for an easy finish. <laughs> So let's get into them a little bit. What we have, I think, is a very talented side with no clear weaknesses. You look at the fullbacks, Marcelo is still one of the best in the world, and he's not perfect because of his, you know, kind of penchant of going forward and getting caught in attack. He's still a rock-solid piece. You go on the other side, Danilo's pretty good, serviceable. Obviously, Felipe Luis will be backing up Marcelo. You think in any kind of pinch, he's a very reliable defender, one of the best in the world. Yeah, I mean, you look not – I don't think another – a better fullback pairing in the World Cup, maybe. Oh no, of Spain. I think Spain. Spain for sure. Carvajal, Carvajal even if Carvajal's Alba. not healthy. With Azpilicueta, uh, I would still take still that. take them. Yeah. It, it it's one of the best. Um, I mean, even Mendy and Sidibe are good, but it, yeah, but there's doubts they're, about. They're, they're probably the weakest part of that team. Germany Kimmich is good on the right side, but on the left side, Hector. We're not getting there yet, but you know, we will <laughs> we'll get, get there. to them. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a fair shout to say that they're pretty solid. Certainly, they offer the most, I think, of any fullback pairings in attack. Yeah, and any, I mean, if that's what they choose to go to, Danilo and Marcelo, which I think is probably the most likely. Yeah, and Danilo's, you know, played at Real Madrid. Got displaced by Carvajal, so he kind of went off to City, where he was second choice to Kyle Walker. I I don't think that's exactly like you know the like t- to being tough on him to think that that's like that's, those are two people to hard people to displace. Is what right. I'm trying to say, two of the better right backs in the world. So this is a good chance for him to kind of prove his mettle. 
Yeah. Speaking of Real Madrid players, you have Casemiro playing in front of that back line. He'll be a big piece, I would think, going forward because, you know, again, the Brazilian, I guess the way to get to them would be to kind of try to expose that back line when they get further up the field. Casemiro is the kind of piece that holds it all together, make sure that everybody's supposed to be, is where they're supposed to be. You know, Thiago Silva, he's, he's going to be rock solid in there. You'd think if Marquinhos is ready to go, he'll be probably, I would think, starting in the middle of that. Back I mean, four. Yeah, but they have three just absolutely phenomenal options uh, with Miranda, Thiago Silva, and Marquinhos. I mean, Thiago Silva is starting to get up there in age. Um, he wasn't really playing all the time for PSG. I'm wondering, is, is he leaving me displaced by Marquinhos? Miranda's still kind of playing at top level. Um, but that's certainly a strong point, but like any defense can get exposed. Marcelo and Danilo up the field. Casemiro gets beat, and you have those two back. Uh, you know, anything happened. That's what we saw when Germany beat them. Right, uh, and just an absolute domination of the fact that they couldn't hold them in the midfield and the back line was completely exposed. But I think the difference was that they didn't have Thiago Silva that game. That was the big problem for them. They, If they do have him, great organizer. Casemiro will be important, but even without him, Fernandinho was an absolute star for Manchester City. So they have options at defensive mid as well. They do. Um, looking throughout the uh, other place in the midfield, Coutinho, obviously electric. Yeah, he, he's he's kind of he's in the middle of that transition, sort of from playing uh, just kind of a forward position as a winger and more of an advanced midfielder to now playing as a true central midfielder creator, who is going to have some real defensive responsibilities. But and the thing is, they they can have him at either. Right. Um. The pro, the, the question then being, who's going to be playing in the center midfield if he does move up? Uh. You know, they have Casemiro, Fernandinho, Paulinho. I don't think Casemiro and Fernandinho play at the same time. So he's probably going to be playing in the midfield with them. Yeah, I would think Fred would be if you're gonna if you were to say move Coutinho up to the front line and then move Willian or maybe Willian to the bench. Yeah, Douglas Willian Costa. to the bench or Douglas. You know, whatever, right? I think that Fred would be one of the options. You know, he's 25 years old. He's not got a ton of caps, but he's a very talented player, very box to box kind of guy. So it certainly wouldn't surprise me to see him feature in the squad at some point during this tournament. Now he did pick up. Uh, I don't know how serious of an injury, but I did get a pick up an injury after a tackle from Casemiro in training. Why are there practices at this point? Well, I mean, I understand training. I know but why we, there's training, why, but I mean, he was like it was like slide tackling. Like, what are you doing, Casemiro? Um, you know, another news: Adil Rami, I think, was uh, reported to injured have injured Kylian Mbappe. This is getting out of hand. We need to right, wrap like, everyone in bubble wrap right now. Yeah, it's it's just crazy to think. But Fred, hopefully, he'll be okay. He will be an option. Yeah, and then up top, you know, we just kind of briefly touched on Coutinho possibly being an option up there. But, you know, part of the reason that they are able to move Coutinho into the midfield is partly because they have to kind of accommodate for the fact that they do have Neymar, who's, you know, guaranteed starter, probably the first name on the team sheet without any question. Gabriel Jesus playing through the middle. He has proven in this very short time with Brazil already that he is a very talented player. And then you have Willian on the right flank who, you know, had an up and down season at Chelsea, had a really good run in the middle of it. And then, you know, kind of tapered off and say what you will about the way Conte used him. He was he wasn't great for most of it, but you kind of saw flashes, and you always seem to see them more with Brazil than you do with Chelsea. Just the consistency in which he's able to play with, and the freedom he gets to play with in Brazil versus what he gets at Chelsea. Well, the thing with Chelsea is Conte doesn't really tend to play with true wingers. His wing backs provide the width, and that kind of lends Willian to have to kind of do some hard work in the midfield. Here, he'd be on the wing. You know, I mean, like what we saw with Mourinho uh, when he was at Chelsea. William really thrived because he was playing out in the wing there. Yeah, so, but to be fair, his best season, I think, was honestly when Mourinho was given the sack and he was playing under Goose Hiddenick more in a central role. So there's that. 
Yeah, but it's an attacking role. He he is known as a winger, and that's kind of been taken away from him under Conte, I would still say, to a certain regard. Um, honestly, though, if I was picking, I, would, I think I'd rather have Douglas Costa on the right. Really? Interesting. He's absolutely electric. Uh, I, I rarely see him lose the ball. He can beat anyone on the dribble. Um, maybe mid, much more of a 1v1 type player. You're, you know, you give him the ball, you're hoping he's going to take his defender on. Um, that's mostly what he gives you and then putting across. So William, much more of a hard worker, defender. Uh, that's probably why he might get the nod. Uh, and, of course, Roberto Firmino. I was going to say, how crazy is it that Bobby Firmino can't seem to get into this side after the season he had? I mean, again, like, could make an argument for him to be starting. Uh, the, but here's the thing for Brazil that I think separates them from the last few World Cups and tournaments is they finally have reliable strikers. Yeah, this is true. We look back at, at, at the, the other Fred who played striker in the last World Whoa. Cup for Brazil. Liability. They're no longer, I don't think they have a liability in any position, and that's what makes them, I think, truly scary. Could have to agree with that. I think the thing that makes the most scary for me is I think they're out for revenge, a lot of redemption. Now, everybody will remember, the, and I guess some may have forgotten how what kind of place Brazil was in after that 2014 World Cup, because it wasn't just that. You know, they they went to the Copa America the next year. They didn't really do much there. Then, you know, Neymar picks up the suspension there. Then the next year in the Copa America Centenario, again, they get bounced in the group stage. And I myself was finding myself wondering if Brazil had entered a period of, you know, flux where we weren't sure what they were going to be. Now, since uh, Tite has kind of come over and, and taken over this job and taken over this, you know, personnel group, I think he's done a phenomenal job of getting everybody back on the same page, which is not always easy. You, you know, the talent's always going to be there for Brazil. But the fact is that was a very fractured group after that World Cup and it took nearly two years to kind of get everybody back together and you know Neymar didn't play in that centenario he went to play with the Olympic team instead they sort of get their redemption you know when it happened a lot of people were wondering if he could really be considered redemption beating Germany in the you know Olympics where both sides are playing uh, under 23 players but I think it was sort of a rallying point for Brazilians not just the fans, but I think the players as well to kind of come together and remember that, you know, at the end of the day, it is a unit. Yeah. And, and I, I do think you kind of nailed the head with the coach, Tite, as the, before that, they kind of have been in shambles in regards to their coaching. Uh, no control over the squad, no respect really given to him. So he's going to be a huge for them. But I'd also, I think that a lot has come together just in terms of their their, you know, some of their players in the past two years. Past years, Casemiro has become a top defensive midfielder. Roberto Firmino has established himself as one of the better strikers in the Premier League. Gabriel Jesus entered the Premier League. So, um, players have come a long way, is what you're saying. Yeah. So, a lot of the Coutinho has gone from, you know, an exciting player at Liverpool to being, you know, one of the most threatening midfielders in the world, the successor to Andres Iniesta. So, uh, I, but I, I would agree that I think most of it has to come down to Tite, kind of bringing them together. Let's move on then to Switzerland. That's how they got here. They were involved in a UEFA playoff against Northern Ireland. The first leg ended nil-nil, and that was the same score in the second game until Ricardo Rodriguez stepped up to the spot. No trouble for Ricardo Rodriguez. And the Swiss have the advantage that they deserve on the balance of play. But it's come in cruel, cruel fashion for Northern Right. So my eyes immediately jump to their midfield. They have very talented distributors in Granit Xhaka and Jordan Shakiri. 
And, you know, they have a pair of experienced and well-accomplished fullbacks, Ricardo Rodriguez and Stefan Licksteiner. Not a bad start. Yeah. Well, let's go. Let's take it from there. In the group stage of the qualifying, they uh, won nine straight games. <laughs> Their first nine games they won. I love this stat. 27 points to take on Portugal, who lost the opener to Switzerland, but has then won the remaining eight. And they come out, and uh, Portugal ends up winning 2 nothing. We've talked about this before. It was uh, Johan Juru own goal that started it, and then uh, Andre Silva with the second. So the Switzerland team, with 27 points. I think that's almost guaranteed qualification for the most part. <sighs> uh, almost any other group, um, you know, unless you're like, facing a team like Germany that gets 30, for example. right? But in those situations, chances are you're the Germany in that group. Right, you're the you're the Belgium, you're the France that gets all the points. So this is a Swiss team that shouldn't be under you know overlooked, undervalued. Just to give you an idea, the teams that with with over 28 points or 27 points, Belgium with 28, Spain with 28, Germany had 30. Germany had 30. That's it. England only had 26. France only had 23. So you get the idea. Not as easy as it looks to win that many games and then still end up in the playoff. A pretty cruel fate, but they got here. Talent rose to the top in this case. I think they're if they're solid, I I find myself struggling to find exactly what I love about them. But they're solid. They get results, and they're 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 solid if not spectacular, right? I mean, that's kind of their their mo. Their mo is they're solid. They're not spectacular. Uh, well, I mean, I think starting from the back in the defense, Stefan Licksteiner has been around forever. Guy's 34. This is I'd probably be, it for him, you'd think. Yeah, but he's been at Juventus. He was supposed to be phased out in the last two years, and they just can't get rid of him. Not because nobody wants him, but because every time they take him out, the team stops performing, and they put him in, and they start performing better again. See the Spurs matchup in the Champions League this year where he entered the game and completely changed everything. And of all people, Stefan Licksteiner. Yeah, you're right back, who's not exactly the most technical, not exactly... The guy who's creating for you, but he just works hard. He doesn't really get beat. He's not exactly fast, right? But he's he, he's a consummate professional. Um, I mean, Johan Joru, former Arsenal defender. I mean, nothing special. He's a big guy. He's pretty quick. He's getting older, but you know, I mean, he had, did have that own goal that we mentioned. But other than that, he's been he's pretty decent. Obviously, Ricardo Rodriguez is probably one. Of, they've I would say three flashy players: uh, Jardin Shakiri, Granite Jaka, and Ricardo Rodriguez. Um, outside of that, like Fabian Schaar in the defense, just a hardworking uh, center back. Valon Barami probably won't play, but he's been a guy who's just a runner. Another guy who's not doing anything special. Yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit. They have players sort of all over the field. And in a World Cup, you kind of need that, right? You need these players who are going to be able to perform and have performed in the past. It's not exactly an inexperienced side, so... A lot of these players have played at the highest levels of the Champions League and have been in those key situations. So I guess it really is just going to kind of come down to if they're able to kind of replicate what they were able to do in the group stage, just get the goals that are going to be kind of tougher to come by, I think, because, you know, as as impressive as those results were, I do also need to mention that the teams we're going against, teams like Andorra, teams like Latvia, the Faroe Islands. Faroe Islands had nine points in this group. That's a little embarrassing. The, fire, the Faroe Islands. Hungary was there. Kind of saw them at the European they, Championships the they last time. They underperformed, though. They, they, really they were, were rigged really underperformers. Weak. And so all that's left is Portugal, who they did beat once, but then they lost to the other time. So 
Yeah, so you do have a point. They haven't really been tested outside of Portugal, who, again, is kind of a mixed bag. Um, but I do think that they're due for one wonder goal from Jerdan Shakiri a tournament. Yeah. So maybe that can be a one nothing for them. And I know we've talked about this before, and we'll probably get to it a little bit more, but the group of death, for me, we've been over this. is my group of death. Uh, Brazil. E for death. E for group of D. <laughs> Something like that. I'll, I'll come up with a better one. Yeah. Uh, but Brazil, Switzerland, Serbia, Costa Rica. Are they going to have the goals to break down these teams? Serbia is a tough defensive team. Costa Rica, Costa Rica is, is a tough, tough defensive team. Brazil is probably going to control the ball. So, I mean, they aren't exactly able to consider them the fastest teams, one of the paciest on the counter. Are they going to be able to get Brazil on the counter? Are they going to be able to get, you know, catch out the other teams? It'll be tough for them. So this this won't be easy for them despite the kind of success they've had. Speaking of not being easy, you move on to Costa Rica. They were the dark horses from four years ago, perhaps coming for one last ride. Their World Cup dreams were secured when Kendall Waston scored a goal to equalize the game against Honduras. Ruiz, sigue Ruiz, le cabe la derecha, centro! So they're going to play five at the back. Five legitimate defenders. They're going to play four midfielders. All hardworking variety. They're going to play one striker that specializes in holding up the ball. Been here, done that. This team is going to sit in. They're going to absorb all the pressure, and they're going to try to hit you on the counter. That's what they're known for. Yeah. But will it work again? I mean, I think we also go back to, I think the 2010, they had a good run in the World Cup as well. Uh, this is consistently a dark horse team, but this year, I don't think they're going to have it. I think this is the, the year where they kind of fall apart and they don't... And I don't think it's not living up to expectations, but I think, again, everyone's thinking, oh, they're going to be a dark horse again. Are they going to be that team that kind of upsets people? It's hard to be a dark horse that many years in a row if people do... Because, I mean, look, Costa Rica's not sneaking up on anybody. Yeah, they, they know what to expect. They know Brian Ruiz is just absolutely lethal for that team. They know... Um, I think he uh, was clear to be healthy recently that Marco Urania is going to be just a workhorse up top. He might not score them goals, but he's going to run all 90 minutes. You mentioned that, like, really tough back line. Kendall Waston's, like, 6'5". He might not even play that much. He might not even see that much time. Johnny Acosta, been around forever. Is he starting to age? He's 34. Is he going to start dropping off this year? I think it's a common theme, right? They're just, they're all starting to age. And this is, I think this is also kind of it for Costa Rica. We talked about that it was basically it for Chile, and they didn't even get here. Yeah. This is basically it for Costa Rica, and it, it, as sad as it may be, it, it seems that their best days may be behind them. Because for me, it kind of comes down to this idea that I, I just, I don't see it. They have not impressed me in any way. You know, they played that friendly against Belgium, friendly being a friendly. They didn't show me anything. They've lost three of their last four, and they scored one goal. You can't, it's one thing to come in wanting to play defensive. It's another thing when you can't find the back of the net, because if you're not going to find the back of the net, this it's, it's kind of just... It's not going to work. I mean, I'll give them this. It's a tournament format. Anything can happen, right? Right. But they're also... The, here's the other thing, too. You know, we talked about that their group last time, right? It was England, Uruguay, and Italy. Italy. So, looking back, it was probably the group of death of that tournament. One of the things about it is that, other than Italy, England is not exactly known for their, you know, great defensive style. You don't know Uruguay for 
you know, they're typically their defense. You know, you focus a lot on their attack. They are a very solid defensive team, but they're not. It's center backs and center forwards for Uruguay. So when it comes down to is the Costa Rica style kind of lends itself to playing against teams like that. It doesn't really lend itself to playing against teams like Serbia, teams like Switzerland, who they're not exactly used to controlling the ball themselves. They don't dominate opponents with the ball. They, they're physical. They're physical. They, they, too, sometimes absorb pressure and hit you on the counter. We see this a lot. I think we talked about it in the last group preview. Then when a defensive team goes up against another defensive team, it sometimes kind of comes down to who has the better creative players. And just based on the lineup here in front of us, let's be honest with ourselves. Not a lot of it left in this Costa Rica side. You know, you talked about Brian Ruiz, uh, David Guzman. I think it deserves some attention on that front. Christian Bolaños scores plenty of goals for them. I, I just don't see it. You compare those guys to, you know, Shakiri, to Xhaka, yeah, to Savage on Serbia. I, they definitely don't have that same quality, but sometimes it's 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 so tough because I think we can all agree. Yeah, Costa Rica doesn't have this quality. But if you go back in past groups uh, and the other World Cups and tournaments, Costa Rica still doesn't have that quality, but they come out with good results. Okay, um, I guess that's true. And look, they have hard workers. And listen, sometimes all it needs is one set piece. You got six six Kendall Watson stepping up. The guy can leap. I mean, we saw some of his goals for Costa Rica and some assists he's had. He gets up there. I think he can head the crossbar, <laughs> wow. which is ridiculous. So right. it doesn't take much. One way to look at it. Brian Ruiz, uh, he got the opening goal against Belgium. I think after that, Costa Rica kind of, I don't know if it's a friendly, but they kind of took their foot off the gas, but they didn't really even sit in. So uh, in the past, we're... they've also had Joel Campbell, who's kind of been their direct threat. Is, is he going to even play for them this year? I don't know. He's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. So is they, are they going to lose that? Is Rodney Wallace going to step up and be that role? I don't think so. This is I. So I'm going to say this is the year that they, they struggle after kind of surprising people again and again. I think so as well. I think they're due for some regression. Uh, I mean, in some sense, I do hope that they do well. Plenty of MLS players here. You gotta. I hope they do well. You gotta. You gotta hope for them. And of course, Kaylor Navas too back there. Just don't want to marginalize the fact that he is going to be. I would. I would say top five keeper in this tournament coming in. Yeah. So. I mean, he he's probably gonna keep you in games for sure. There's only so much that you can do as a goalkeeper, but he can keep you in. He games. Does a lot. And he, yeah, I mean, if they can get out a couple key draws, you never know where they'll be. All right, so finally we have Serbia. They are an underlooked unit in my book. They're just so big. You Loads, love that. I you do love, love their that. size. I do love that. Loads of talent and potential in the squad that I think people will enjoy watching. They clinched their spot in the tournament thanks to this game-winning goal by Alexander Priovic. Serbia is leading the Republic of Ireland by two points going into the last game. Ireland plays at Wales while Serbia is hosting lowly Georgia. Here it is. Ela por ser um passo para Mitrovic. Atenção à Sérvia, pode ir com perigo para o golo desvio. A Sérvia tanto estava a insistir. I hope that was in Serbian. <laughs> I couldn't tell you for sure, but I hope it's in Serbian. We, we need to get our producer on this because he's been kind of slacking with. We, we sent him out to learn some languages, downloaded Duolingo for him, but he, <laughs> he forgot about his Serbian uh, homework. Uh, we'll, we'll assume it is. This is a Serbian team that uh, is another defend first, I think, outfit. It's defend, keep other team off, and I think rely on set pieces because of the size. For sure, they will be very dangerous on set pieces. I mean, just looking at some of the players here, Nemanja Matic, Branislav Ivanovic, they they are not to be messed with in that regard. 
because and, and one of the things with taller players is that you know you don't sometimes get enough because usually teams will have one or two you know Jose Mourinho once I think said that he likes to have six or seven taller players for his set pieces for that specific reason and I think that it's an under an underappreciated form of playing because you know watching Chelsea this season Chelsea rarely scored off set pieces part of the problem with that is that tallest guys and some of the guys on the field you know, Fabregas and Conte aren't going to win you any you're talking about defenders like Aspilicueta playing center back. He's you know probably not going to win it's you too many. Attacking. I mean, even Andreas Christensen, big guy, but he's not an attacking uh, header defender. Is that a thing? I mean, <laughs> he's not very good in the air. No, I think that's unfair because defensively in the air, offensively, like he's, he's really good at clearing the ball. He's so, not same thing with Aspilicueta. He can win his defensive duels, but offensively, it's like a different matter. Well, it's a completely different like technique. It's a completely yeah. different objective. You know, obviously, number one, you want him to defend. If he can't hit aerial headers into the goal, then you you'll live with that. If your center backs as good as you know Christensen and Aspilicueta have been for Chelsea, and so, so sometimes those big guys aren't exactly the thing. But we look at Branislav Ivanovic; that's absolutely his thing. We saw at Chelsea time and again. He, he just smashes those headers. Glad, he, glad he's accepted the move to center back. It looks like he's he's made it well there. I think you lose some pace. As, you know, oh, it's the, he's it's lost the right plenty of pace. I don't know if I, yeah. it's been a while since I've seen a player drop off as badly as he did. And they had the delivery from Kolarov. The guy has an absolute peach of a delivery. So they'll be super dangerous from set pieces. Uh, again, not the, this isn't really the fastest team, so they really are going to rely on... Right. Crosses, long balls. They, they could suffer against pacier sides. It could be one of those teams that could because yeah. Yeah, their back four is kind of slow. Well, the back four or the back five, whatever. They might they play back to play five with. to kind of combat that problem. Yeah, it's possible. You just use an extra center back. But again, you know, Ivanovic will get exposed by pace if you can kind of leave him on an island. So they will have to account for that. All the size in the world won't help you with pace. Then you have the likes of like Sergis Milk- Milinkovic Savic and Dusan Tadic who are going to be creating consistently for this team. I think that one of the things that sets Serbia apart for me from other dark horses is that you sort of can, I can pinpoint these two as creative forces constantly creating attacking opportunities in the final third. Most of the teams that kind of are in this category may only have one, and they're not great either. These two are, you know, Savage is younger, but Tadic has been doing this for a while. Yeah, and Tadic, I think, is, uh, I mean... With Southampton had some really good years, had some so-so years. So I don't know what the consistency is with Sat- Milinkovic-Savic. He's young. He joined Lazio. We don't have a lot of history on him. But his year at Lazio was phenomenal. It was, and a lot of people speculating, of course, that he's due for a big move this summer. This could be his chance. This is it right here for him. So you know, you know he'll be motivated. Not that I think he would be lacking motivation to begin with, but that's all the motivation you need right there. Yeah. I'm just – I think my biggest fear for this team is how – um, how much creativity are they going to be able to give these guys uh, versus how much structure they're going to want? Because they, it, it strikes me as a team that's really going to want to be drilled. They're going to want to be in their permission, in their in their position, in their formations, playing def- defense first soccer, um, and then maybe not hitting on the counter, but keeping the ball a little bit. I'm not sure they're going to be really a counter pace oriented team. They do have Alexander Mitrovic up top, who we who we know can can get some goals, but is also very inconsistent. The self-proclaimed Serbian Balotelli. You were asking for it. You got it. There we go. We got some more odd uh, dis- <laughs> characterizations of players. Uh, so they won their group, not exactly convincingly, but they're, they're going to give any team. Here's a big thing for them, I think, is that they're going to give any team trouble. No team's going to have an easy game against them. They will not. So with that said, 
who you got winning the group and who you got finishing second. I, I, it's Brazil. I think it's their time. They, they've been given me every reason that they're going to go on. I think who finishes second, I think this is going to be I think it's Switzerland. Ooh. I think Switzerland, they, they've shown it up until now that they have the talent, they have kind of organization, and it seems like they've all, a lot of them have played together for a long time, so they have that cohesiveness. I'm not sure Serbia is going to be able to come in and dethrone that. I don't think that Costa Rica is going to have another, uh, you know, surprise. I don't think they're going to surprise anyone this time. So, interesting. But you, uh, I agree with Brazil. I think they do top the group. I think that they they're by far the favorites for me. After that, I'm going with Serbia. I I disagree on Switzerland. I don't know that that cohesiveness is going to be enough. I, I think Serbia is going to burst onto the scene. I think they're going to. I wouldn't say surprise people because, like I said, I think a lot of people have their eyes on them. I, I do think that they're going to burst out of this group though, and they're going to take them by storm. Yeah, and Serbia is—they're I mean, built to win a scrappy game, and I think that they'll get that against Switzerland and Costa Rica. I'll give it to them. They've always kind of had a stronger defense, but they do have kind of the breakout guys like Luka Miljovic and uh, Milinkovic Savic in the midfield, who could be a difference maker. <laughs> did that for much them. better than I did, <laughs> Milinkovic Savic. Milink, I don't know. I've, I've seen his name a couple more times. I think follow the Italian league and whatnot. <laughs> so that I, I'm with you. I think it could be close, but I'm going to give Switzerland the edge. All right. Why don't we move on to Group F? No, uh, no fun acronym for this one. Uh, for F is F- for friends. Oh, I knew you were gonna go there. <laughs> F is for fire. That burns down the whole town. Well, speaking of the fire that burns down the whole town, definitely Germany in the sense that you know when they're coming, they're very hard to stop. Their machine. It, you know, it, it's got kind of an old cliche, but I I think it's very fitting for the them. German machine. Yeah, their their clip here is of the second goal in their three one win over Northern Ireland to clinch their spot in the World Cup. That goal scored by Sandro Wagner. So I'm not breaking any new ground in saying this, but Germany are really really good. My God, really? <laughs> that backline's <laughs> that backline's unquestionable. I think Jonas Hector is probably the smallest, you know, least recognizable name on there, and he's still very, very solid at what he does. Add to that the midfield, the likes of Tony Kroos, Sam Kadira, and Mesedozel. It, 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 it's a very solid foundation that they're built on. Not to mention Manuel Neuer. It looks like he is going to be ready to go. I mean, another glut of talent. Right. A headache for coaches to pick. Your nightmare. Back again. Is I think kind of a discussion has been uh, around this German team. Is Neuer going to start? I mean, I historically so. he has been, but he's been out for the, almost the whole season. And Ter Stegen was phenomenal at Barcelona. I think Neuer is the better keeper on his day, but you know if he's not not in form, Ter Stegen might be the better keeper. I think the only reason that Neuer gets it is because he's basically the captain now. I think I think it's. I think it's safe to say it will be Neuer unless he suffers some kind of injury setback. I just don't see how you bench him. But it's crazy to think that that's such and a Now, at the same time, would we be having this discussion the other way? If Neuer wasn't perhaps as established, we would probably be saying that Ter Stegen deserves it. Ter Stegen, like you mentioned, had a fantastic season at Barcelona. It's not the first time he's done this. So he, he is very much well established among the world's elite. And I would argue that m- most keepers of Manuel Neuer's pedigree could easily stake a claim to his spot in four years. The reality is in four years, Manuel Neuer probably will not be the starting keeper because of just how good Ter Stegen is. And if he continues that sort of form, I can't possibly imagine Neuer keeping up his form. Yeah, I mean, such a physical play coming off his line. 
very crazy, very quick reflexes for such a big guy. He's 32. At 36, will he be able to play like that? That doesn't seem I don't likely. Think so. and like I said, his form, even if his shot blocking ability is still good, will it be as good as Ter Stegen entering the prime of his career? I, I just I doubt it. So this might be it for him, despite the fact that you would think that, again, somebody of his caliber and somebody of his age would probably be able to at least give it a go for one more cycle. But we'll see. You know, that's yeah. that's the kind of thing that we'll we'll kind of get to down the line. Uh, you know, as for you know, in the attack, and Timo Werner, it looks like is going to end up being the striker for this team, at least to start off. You know, we saw at the European Championships they tried to kind of go with Thomas Muller as I don't want to say a false nine because I don't remember exactly how they played, but it was he was basically playing as the team's out and out striker and didn't really work towards the end. They were yeah. struggling to score goals, even despite it, like I mentioned, all the glut of talent behind them in terms of like creating and distributing. And I mean Muller is one of those guys that doesn't really have a set position. I think it's kind of like the David Luiz of the attack. David Luiz like no one could really figure out if he, is he a center back, is he defensive mid, is he a sweeper? Um Muller's like that. Is like is he a winger, is he attacking mid, is he a second striker? So, I'm excited to see Timo Werner play cuz he did kind of break out with Red Bull Leipzig uh in their fantastic season last year. Uh he could be really fantastic for them. They also have the option of Mario Gomez, which is crazy to think about. He's still kind of fighting for that spot. Should bring back Miroslav closer. I mean, he, I think he's still got goals in him. <laughs> but this is, um, unfortunately for Germany, probably their weakest position and the thing that is going to hold to them think back. about, right? Yeah, it's, it, I think it's going to hold them back. It's been what held Brazil back in the past. Now Brazil has strikers. I mean, but I mean, on their side, the midfield is just unbelievable. Right, the fact it? that Kadira... Kroos and Ozil, those three behind them, you have, I mean, like Ilkay Gundogan can't start on this team. Leon Goretzka, who is an up-and-coming player himself. You know, you mentioned Gundogan. It's it's incredible what, what they're able to do. And depending on the way you want to look at it, too, you know, they have the likes of Julian Draxler, Julian Brandt, who are in the squad, Marco Royce. It, depending on where you kind of want to categorize them, I would associate those players more in an attacking role, except for maybe Brandt. So, but that's the, the talent is certainly there, and it, I I think that on their day, it's difficult for me to say that anybody other than a top team, so let's say a Brazil, a France, a Spain, having their own top day, will be able to stop them. Yeah, and I've I've kind of mentioned teams that are likely to break down. Kind of put Portugal and France as teams that are most likely to fall apart. Uh, I think Germany is on the other side of that. They're the least likely to fall apart. And just have a have an absolute meltdown, which is going to be a big strength they have going for them in tournament setting. Is that they're going to be composed, they're going to be calm. It's going to take something really special to beat that fantastic back line in midfield. So if we had one criticism, at least for me, it would be the lack of an inclusion for Leroy Sané. No room on the 23-man roster for Sané. So they Yogi Lowe came out and basically said that it was a tactical decision based on the fact that he needed a player more like Julian Brandt than he did Sané. I think there were comments about Draxler as well. Look, I'm just I maybe I'm <laughs> slightly old fashioned, but where I come from, the best players end up on the team, right? Yeah, I and... just I, I just can't justify. No matter how much of a style of play, a tactical decision that I want to make, you make room for Sane after the season he had. He, he's such a good player, but he'll be back at some point. It seemed like uh, Yergi Lowe kind of also hinted to the fact that there was some. I don't know attitude problems. I don't yeah. know if that's the best I, he, way to put well, he it. But he didn't get a he didn't fit with the squad personality, which seems kind of strange. Uh, I don't know enough about the players' personalities personally to 
that's a lot of person. Uh, to, <laughs> you mean to, to tell me you're not in Germany training, huh? They didn't let you. You didn't get. You didn't get to talk to Schweinsteiger and get in there. Nah, I couldn't. I couldn't get the nod, but that's all right. Are we going to the uh, Germany tribute game? <laughs> I, I'd like to do that. So, but getting back to Germany, there. <laughs> I. The thing is, like, you you think he should be coming in and starting right away. Yeah. But they do have Marco Royce, who I think is, despite the injuries, is an instant start. I mean, I'd say when he's on his game, he is, I think, an axe factor for this entire yeah. tournament because he can he can single-handedly, I think, win some games for them. Yeah, and he's going to be so important linking up with Mesodoso. On the other wing, I mean, the thing is Marco Royce does like to play on the left, as says Sané. So I guess Draxler maybe on the right, maybe Brandt, maybe Goretzka. Um I can see why he does have plenty of options on the wing, and if the personality is a problem, I don't think that this team is lacking the talent. I don't think you say, "Oh, you know, you're leaving out Mo Salah for Egypt, and this is just a, a team that doesn't have the talent anymore." They still have the talent. Should he be there? Is he a good enough player to start? I think so, but I mean, they're not. It's it's not like you're going to throw out Draxler and say, "Oh, what a tremendous dip in quality." I uh, I suppose we'll kind of see on that front. I I, I just. I don't. I can't. I can't wrap my head around it in the sense that I just don't think Julian Draxler and Leroy Sané are currently on the same tier of talent. I don't. I just don't think. I see that. So, I don't think so because you see the way Draxler wasn't starting at PSG until sort of the injury came to Neymar, and even then it wasn't really a guarantee most weeks. So. I guess that I, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. I, I, here's one thing. I don't want to make it sound like this could be like a downfall for Germany. The reality is if they get eliminated from this tournament, it will, I will not come back and say, oh, so you should have taken Sané. He's good. He's not that good. It's Yeah, like I said, it's not like leaving out Messi. It's not like leaving out Neymar. I think there's a Icardi. reason. Yeah, well, let me. That actually happened. But I can see leaving out Icardi because I think Higuain and Aguero are better. But um, Sané, is he, he's better. than He could be better than some of these guys, but... It could be a thing about the system. There's a lot of things going into it. There's a, there's a lot here to to unpack. Yeah. I mean, look at the, at some point, you just got to play the games, right? We'll we'll just have to wait and see, sort of. That's that's basically it, and they're they're still favorites to make a run in this tournament. So yeah, and rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of teams that uh, <laughs> will have a, a bit of arrogance to them, it's Mexico. <sighs> it's Mexico. They're so polarizing. Before we even talk about them, let's have Irving Lozano's goal against Panama that would ultimately go on to win the game for El Tri and seal their place in Russia. Mexico is another team that qualified fairly comfortably. You've kind of made the point that it feels like they basically were qualified the moment they beat the U.S. on the road in Columbus in that first game because it kind of set the tone for the rest of qualifying, really, for both teams. Yeah, like U.S., it was a mountain to climb. Uh, for Mexico, it was arguably their toughest game in the hex already out of the way. And out of the points. way and three points, yeah. Three so points. from there, I think it was kind of done and dusted. So here's the goal from Lozano. We're going to get into these guys a little bit. Juan Carlos Osorio's first choice 11, I think, is about anybody's guess at this point. I've watched, I think, plenty of Tree, safe to say, and I can assure you that I, he keeps the lineups tight to the best. I, I could not tell you. I could hazard a guess, and it would be really kind of almost a shot in the dark, I would argue, 
as to what 11 players he will use in that first game against Germany. So let's narrow it down then. Who is going to play? I think that Guillermo Ochoa is his first choice goalkeeper, so I'm going to keep it simple to start off. I think I think he trusts Ochoa more than anybody else. I myself not a big Ochoa guy, but yeah, you know, hey, I'm not going to argue with it either. He's a pretty talented guy himself. He seems to step up in these tournaments. In club, I haven't seen as much out of him. But... In club, he he is definitely a country over club guy. I guess I will have to give him that. In defense, here's the thing: Miguel Ayun, I think, is going to play, and I don't know that's going to be a question. The thing is, he's been playing as a holding midfielder for Mexico and Juan Carlos Osorio recently. I think that is a terrible use of his skill set. He is, I think, he's the actually the best fullback in the pool. For Mexico, and he continues to move him out of position. I think that it's a mistake, and I think that it could ultimately be one of those things that kind of comes back to bite them if he chooses to go that way. Now, whether or not he does or doesn't, I don't know. He's experimented with three at the back, four at the back, with Layun playing as you know wing back, a full back, and then again as holding midfielders in other various formations. So safe to say, I do think he'll be in the eleven. I just don't know if he'll be, you know ready to if he'll be playing in the position that I think he should be playing and other defender I think Hector Moreno would be at least I would think given strong consideration he did have kind of a rough year at Roma where he didn't see much of the field so it wouldn't shock me also not to see him out there but I I think that in terms of center backs he might be the the first choice in that regard in the midfield Hector Herrera for sure because he's had the most appearances for Juan Carlos Osorio of anybody so far so he's consistently in the 11 like I said and he's about the only one whose position constantly remains the same box to box midfielder kind of you know a a dynamic player that again kind of gets it done both sides of the ball I think if he's healthy I think Andres Guardado also is going to have a spot here just because you know he's kind of the leader of the squad on the field and and finally up front I'd like to think Irving Lozano has a spot locked down at this point because he's the team's I think most talented player overall but I mean, it's anybody's guess. Honestly, every, everything after that, I'd say, is very much up for debate. You have a striker battle between Raul Jimenez and Javier Hernandez. Now, Ticatito Corona has no guarantees in this lineup. Oribe Peralta, he's still around. He's been around for a long time. In the midfield, Rafa Marquez is going to his fifth World Unbelievable. Cup. Unbelievable. That's that's amazing to me. I don't I don't know. Do you have the Dos Santos brothers? Jonathan, usually a little more you know reliable with El Tri than Giovanni, but... At the end of the day, I think that you're gonna we're gonna see them both during this tournament, and then in defense, you know, going back, uh, I mean, I think maybe maybe it will also depend on how healthy Diego Reyes is. He suffered an injury. Same with Hugo Ayala. They're both sort of coming back from injuries. I think it's gonna depend on how fit they are and how how good Mexico's back line is. Because if you lose them, you start to have to kind of plug in some pieces elsewhere, and I'm not sure they have enough quality and depth to replace them. Hit them, maybe Mar- Rafa Marquez in the center back. You could, you could absolutely do that, and I, I they've experimented with that as well. So if there's one thing I will give him credit for, Osorio. There is no stone left unturned. Everybody has played in it, just about every position you could ever imagine. They've played with ten men. They I think they've even played with nine men. They have played fullbacks in the central midfield. They've played uh, striker. They've played formations where they play essentially three strikers. I have seen, I have seen it all. So, in that sense, he has not left any stone unturned with this team. And so, if any situation arises, I have to imagine he knows what might happen. So, what are the expectations for of Mexican fans going into this game? I, I mean, in this, into this pool. I mean, they have Germany. Um, so, it's, they're already kind of seen as second best in that regard. 
South Korea historically is a, is one of the better Asian teams, but maybe not pretty in cycle. weak. Sweden overcame two European giants. Does Mexico see themselves as surefire seconds? Mexican fans, I think, should will and I think should expect to get out of the group because they've done it for so long. It's I, I can't remember the last time they didn't make it to the round of 16. It's been many, many years, I think, maybe even going back to the 80s because, you know, it, with some of it's good draws. But, I mean, Mexico haven't exactly had some easy draws. They drew the hosts in the last two World Cups. That's, you know, that's a burden in and of itself to be playing the hosts. Yeah, that, that Group A uh, last year. Last that year, was not easy. Last World Cup. It's not in Croatia. Brazil. Brazil, yeah. not Absolutely not, a, not an easy one. They did come out. Um, they have the talent. I think they have uh, specifically for breaking down Sweden. I mean, I'd be surprised if Chicharito doesn't play, given that he can kind of be the guy who pops up and gets a goal. That mole in the box that they will need. Yeah, I would agree with that. That um, would make a lot of sense. I mean, like mole in the box, more like mole amongst redwoods. He's going to have to – whoever it is is going to have to struggle in that box against that massive Sweden back line. But Sweden's been known to defend. Is is Mexico going to play a guy like Hernandez who can kind of like I said, get it's, a pop up and get a goal? It can honestly be anybody's guess as to how exactly they're going to play. The rotations are that bad. The rotations have been to the point where, I mean, nobody even bothers guessing it anymore because what's the point? Nobody's going to get it right. Now, there is a rumor out there that Osorio has stated that there will be no rotations in the world. I mean, you know, outside, because I mean, look, during the Confederations Cup, he was changing eight players between games. That's just it, crazy. It's, it's, un- it's, I wouldn't say it's unheard of, I guess, but it's, it's downright shocking at a national it's team. It's bold. Level. It is it's, well, it's extremely bold. And let me tell you that Mexican fans are about done with Osorio. They, you know, the, the chants in the stadium are already raining down for this guy. I think it's always been unfair. Mexican fans seem to have this, you know, you ask for expectations. Mexican fans expect to be, you know, a top 10 nation in the world consistently. And the reality is that while the talent has often been there, it just feels like the team aspect of it hasn't. The disappointments over the years, look, they had that Netherlands game one. And we can talk about the shoddy officiating at the end, Robin going down for a dive. But at the end of the day, they blew it. They were the ones that decided to, to come in and hold to start absorbing all the pressure in the world after they had essentially dominated the second half up until the goal. They decided to invite the pressure, and that's what led to the goal. You go back to 2010, running into the buzzsaw of Argentina. You know, that happens. In 2006, Mexico gave Argentina a really good game, but it all fell apart in extra time. Go back to 2002. They got the U.S., and couldn't get to the, to the quarterfinals. <laughs> it's so it's it's people expect more. That fifth game, so to speak, that ever that like the curse of the fifth game for Mexico. That's a real thing. People are like just it's flabbergasting to think about the fact that Mexico have not been to the quarterfinals of a World Cup in many many years. What what's going to be the outrage if they don't even get to the the? If there there will be there the will knockout. be a lot. I think there will be a lot of outrage. I think that I, I I really think that there would be a massive like call. But here's the thing. I don't know that that massive uprising of fans will last more than a couple of weeks, because I think Osorio's got one foot out the door. Even if, if Osorio makes it to the semifinals, let's say. He's going to step down. I think he's not coming back. He could, exactly. I honestly think he could win the World Cup, and I'm not even sure he's coming back. So, Which isn't uncommon, to be fair, wouldn't be that uncommon. managers. But he's not, I don't think he's coming back regardless of what happens here. So if they don't make it out of the group, I can guarantee you the next day the Mexican FA will have relieved him of his duties. They will have come to some sort of mutual agreement to part ways, and that'll be it. 
Is there someone here he think is gonna step up and shine? Who's gonna be that guy? Is it gonna be is Giovanni dos Santos? Gonna get the time? <laughs> is he gonna be the guy who kind of? If it's Giovanni, I tell you, I tell you what. If it's Giovanni dos Santos, man, I, t- I will take everything back I said about him. But I don't see that happening. You know, I talked about Irving Lozano being a guy that I think absolutely deserves to be a pe- like a penned in starter for this team. I truly believe that he is the best player here. You know, we have this kind of conversation with Pulisic with the U.S. all the time. It's not the disparity in talent isn't quite that big. There have been, first of all, there have been many Mexican players in Europe that were top players in top leagues before. Pulisic, you know, let's let, being realistic with ourselves, other than Donovan and then some of the older guys from the 2002 squad that were... I mean, Dempsey. Dempsey was a Dempsey leading was, goal scorer at Fulham right, in the Premier right. League. Those are very limited examples. There, there haven't been that many. And then historically before them, there were almost none. So Mexicans won't have the same, I guess, like, you know, heartthrob for Irving Lozano. But the, he is as talented as anybody in that squad. And I think that this is, I think, his chance to kind of shine. I think that he could in himself be in line for a bigger move. Maybe not this summer, but next summer, if he performs well in this tournament, I think he absolutely has a shot at being sort of the talisman for this team going forward. In terms of other, it's like, you know, Raul Jimenez, Carlos Vela, we know very well ourselves. I mean, Vela is... They're talented big, players. Vela was that talent at one point, yeah, if I'm he not was. mistaken. And, so. and, you know, he stepped away from Europe, and for whatever you want to say about that, that's the reality. And, you know, Chicharito Hernandez, he was a, a, a beacon of, like, I don't want to call it hope, because, again, you know, the team was never really in that many dire straits. But it's just going to come down to how they play and if everybody's going to be on the same page or not, because these friendlies that they've been playing, they look awful. Well, well that's... So, I mean, if they play like that against Germany, harsh, they, but... can, they can be, they're going to be done. So I, I think, I think I've about anything else. Uh, no, I think I think this was that was your is your time to rant. But I also I would add that I don't think their game against Germany is going to be the the moment that defines this tournament. They're not going to be able to let that be the moment because I mean I don't expect them to win. Yeah, and so. I, I don't think many people should. It's going to come down to their games against South Korea and Sweden. They should beat South Korea. Uh, they should absolutely beat South Korea, and they should beat Sweden as well. And I think that, that should be enough through. right there. So, I mean, we'll Four see. points is generally good enough. Yeah. Or can be good enough. So, with Sweden then, moving on. <laughs> yeah, we've, I think we've spent enough time in Mexico ranting. Yeah, Sweden's qualifying moment is one of those rare ones where most will remember the team that missed out rather than the team that got in. Two teams that missed out. Yeah. So... Why don't you uh, Why don't you have a crack at this one? And because you uh, you're really excited about the t- reminding other teams that they didn't make the World Cup either. Yeah. Well, so I mean, the other, Italy and Netherlands being the two. So um, this is a team that went to hell and back in its qualifying campaign. I mean, uh, th- so there's nine runners up in the UEFA qualifying. I think we've been talking about this. Uh, nine groups, nine runners up in qualifying. Only eight get the chance to participate in the second round. Uh, eight of the runners up. So. Sweden finished their group with France and Netherlands with 13. Uh, tw- the team that didn't make it was Slovakia and England's group with 12. So Sweden was uh, one of three other nations that finished with 13 points. If you remember from earlier in this episode, we mentioned Switzerland was in this group with 27. So that shows you kind of the gap between that. Right. Um, so some background now here. Uh, they finished second, uh, France finished first, and they beat out the Netherlands, uh, second pace, which is crazy. I mean, it's perennial World Cup contender, Netherlands, being beaten out by uh, a team Sweden that's kind of one of the lower, I guess, ranked, not maybe not ranked, but regarded teams in Europe. Right. Then Sweden get 
the matchup determine who they're going to play in the runner-up uh, group, and the winner of that goes through. So there's eight teams, four are going to go to the World Cup. Sweden, by far, got the toughest match in face-off against Italy. I think everyone thinks this is Italy's game, despite the fact that Sweden took down the Netherlands earlier. Um, a second-half goal from Jacob Johansson in the first leg. At home, gives Sweden a 1-0 lead going into Italian territory. In front of 70,000 fans at the San Siro, Sweden sits back, absorbs pressure, and escapes with a nil-nil result. An expert tournament-style defending, I would say, uh, to knock out basically two behemoths of world soccer and end up qualifying for the World Cup. It's probably my favorite story of qualifying. There you go. Here is the final whistle with some added music that I'm sure many people will be familiar with. I didn't add it. It was part of the clip, and I couldn't find one without it. So, But here's some raw emotion from what I believe is the Swedish commentary. All right, so uh, I don't have a lot to say about Sweden just because I'm not going to pretend to have seen a ton of them play. Uh, you know, obviously the, the number one thing everyone will think about is uh, no Zlatan, no party, right? I mean, they, they for somehow, I know this is going to seem crazy, but they were better They got better Zlatan. without them. I mean, it's not that crazy to think about. This happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. In, in World Cup, I mentioned they're kind of tournament-style defending and how important that is to get draws. They eked out that one goal, but they've kept two draws against Italy. I mean, not exactly the most potent offense, but, you know, they have goals in them. Um, so they have the defense. I think with Zlatan, you do have that guy who can kind of create a goal out of nothing. And he'll let you know that. Uh, this time around, um, they do have a guy who can kind of create something out of nothing, which they really haven't really had in the past. Emil Forsberg, winger at Ripple, Red Bull Leipzig, another guy who kind of you know, took the world by storm when they had that great season last year. Other than that, I think Sweden's basically a bunch of six four blonde guys who are going to give you, wow. g- going to jostle you and give you a tough time moving around. It's a unit. It's a, a team, really. It really is going to come down to they're they're a team and they're going to get as far as they as a team will get themselves. So, yeah, I mean they're they're talented. I mean there's no there's no discounting what they did in qualifying. At the end of the day, you get to the World Cup. Most of the time, you deserve to be there in UEFA, especially. You've done you've done something right. So yeah, I, I you mentioned Forsberg. That was the one I kind of had my eye on as well. He's a very talented distributor of the ball. I think is going back to that cliche of like, oh, each small team has like one talented player. That's like you you think that if he goes, they'll go. That's I think it's a pretty good example right there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the big thing for them is just going to be they're going to be tough defensively. They're going to be tough in the middle. They have big hold-up guys, big forwards who are going to hold the ball up. Be dangerous gonna, on set pieces. Yeah, think? and they're going to get the ball wide to guys like Forsberg um, who, who are going to be their creative outlets. And anything can happen. I mean, it's true. They, they have it happen. set up that they can, you know, exit with giving up zero goals and scoring zero goals and get three points and get, out <laughs> and get knocked out that way. That would be kind of funny. Which is completely possible. But on the other side, you know, they squeeze out a goal here or there. I mean, the fact that they did it to Netherlands and Italy, I think, means they could do it to pretty much anyone. All right, and so we move on then to the final team in this group, South Korea. I could not find any clips of that 0-0 draw against Uzbekistan. Barn burner. Absolute classic that qualified South Korea that were any good anyway. So I found this goal. I have zero idea who they were playing against or who scored the goal since the numbers often change on national teams. So regardless, I think it's got some emotion in it. So it fits the bill. Alexander Lopez. 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 Lopez.
손흥민입니다. 야 전반전과 지금까지 우리가 이제 왜 많은 사람들이 왜 손흥민인가라는 궁금증 바로 이런 거죠. 그냥. I mean, that's the motion that we sign up for. That's what we're here for. Yeah. That's I the World that. Cup. I love that. They're not very good, from what I can tell. They have a lot of pace up front. They have Son from Spurs. Everyone will kind of know him if you watch the Premier League. He'll likely be their driving force, again, with that cliche. There, there was one other player, Kwang Ki Chan, 22-year-old from Red Bull Salzburg. I think he'll be asked to do a lot creatively for this team going forward. I mean... Yeah, I'm not going to kid myself here. This isn't a team that I think we know a crazy lot about. The Asian qualifiers can be very hard to understand. Yeah. Um, they uh, they barely made it, you know, they, out of qualifying. The thing is, the last day of play, they actually that that draw Syria. If they had won, would have been in Korea, South Korea's place, and I think we all would have preferred Syria here. So. Would have been a no, better story. No, no disrespect to South Korea, but South Korea does have some talent. We talk about Sun. I mean, he's a guy who I've labeled him as. I mean, maybe it's a bit unfair, but as a selfish player, he's a guy who loves to dribble and take oh, shots on for himself. But here, I think he's going to have to be. And this is where this is where that kind of ability is going to come up big because you really just do need that one goal sometimes. Um, the, the only other guy I really have my eye on is Ki Sung Young, uh, Swansea midfielder. He's been kind of the uh, behind-the-scenes driving force of that Swansea team. That was, I mean, when I think back, not this year, <laughs> but think back to when Swansea was that exciting team that played good soccer, was exciting, attacking. They'll be exciting next year in the championship. Don't worry. They'll be exciting. Uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, before this terrible relegation season where they were that exciting team, he was kind of that driving force in the midfield. Uh I mean, I think everyone looked at Wilfred Boney and Gilfie Sigurdsson up top, but he's going to be a guy who, once again, is going to be, you know, I think the, one of the more talented players in the midfield. I'm not sure exactly what his role is going to be moving forward, but, I mean, that's all I have. Yeah. All that. right. Let's let's uh, let's just let's not waste any time then. Predictions. Uh, I know you're not going to like me for this, but it's going to be Germany and Sweden. Wow. Sweden's done it before. I think, once again, they're going to defy all odds and... I mean, it pains me to say it because I think that Mexico is the better team, but we've talked about it, it before. It doesn't pain you. I, I, no, they are the better team. Just, I admit the, that. The only thing that's going to pain you is when you have to like pick my sad like carcass up at the end of the game, the third game, if that happens. That will not pain me. Okay. It does pain me to pick a team that I think is... Inferior? Oh, it, yeah, inferior, but that's kind of the state of some of these of these tournament things. The team doesn't always World get through Cup. that. You absolutely have right. We've seen that Plenty of times. from Sweden so far already twice, so I think they have it in them again. I'm going to... Oh, also, who's winning the group? I'm assuming Germany. Germany. Germany, yeah. then Sweden. Okay, yeah. Germany is winning the group, in my opinion, uh, but I am taking Mexico. Maybe it's just me being Homer. Maybe I'm, Maybe I've got my heart in the wrong place. I don't know. But they should get I, out. I think they should be able to get out of I think it's one. fair to say. So that about does it for groups E and F. Be sure to check out the other episodes where we got A and B and C and D. And our next show, got G and H. As we finish up our World Cup previews, we'll also kind of give predictions as who we think is going to go through in the knockout stages and win the whole thing. That's been the American Soccer Show. We'll also have some MLS tomorrow, too, for you all. That'll do it for us. Eric Alcantara, Emmett McConnell. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can find podcasts, except for the Google Play Store and Spotify, because we're not cool enough to be there just yet. But that's going to do it for us. Have a nice day.